All right, Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 14. And it says, uh, Jesus was driving out a demon that was a mute. Notice the demon was the mute, right? When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking him for a sign from heaven. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through the arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house that I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. And then it goes and it takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Whew. It's a heavy little piece of scripture, isn't it? Uh, lots of lessons here. I'm just going to share three with you this morning for time's sake. And here's the first one, and maybe it comes as a bit of a surprise to you, but it is the truth of scripture. This morning, I want you to see that Satan has a kingdom and its grip is strong, right? Satan has a kingdom and its grip is strong. So the story is that Jesus drives out a demon, right? And, and uh, of course, the man was mute. He couldn't speak, but he couldn't speak because the demon that possessed him was a mute demon. And, and, and so when Jesus casts out the demon, the man starts to talk again, and the crowd is simply amazed, uh, or at least most of them. Most of them are really amazed, and a few of them, um, a few of the people present, have a problem with Jesus and the power that he possesses. That's a lot of peas, isn't it? So... Let's add one more. They proclaim that he didn't do it by the power of God, but rather he did it by the power of the devil, whom they give a title here, Beelzebub. That's just one of the names that they would use for Satan. So they said, listen, that, that's not a work of God. Don't, don't, don't go to him. That's not a work of God. This isn't a man of God. This guy, he, he works for the enemy. He works for Satan. So since he's already demonic, he has control over those demons, and he's just telling them where to go. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, says, you know what, that's ridiculous. Uh, now, that's Jesus because he's polite. I've got some other words that I would use. I'm definitely not Jesus. So uh, Jesus basically says, listen, that's, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And so he goes into, uh, in verse 17 and 18, it's on the screen there. Um, he goes in and he says, listen, any kingdom divided against itself is going to be ruined, right? A house divided against itself is going to fall. And then he says this. He says, if Satan is divided against himself... How can his kingdom stand? And there it is, kind of the first shocker of the day for many people that I know in the faith. Jesus himself says Satan has a kingdom. 
Let that sink in for a second. I don't know what you've thought about Satan. I think some people just you know, don't like to think about the devil at all. Uh, in fact, in surveys in America would say that most people believe in heaven but not hell. They believe in Jesus but not Satan. Jesus says not only is Satan real, he has a kingdom. And he is the king of that kingdom. I want you to just let that sink in. Satan has a kingdom and he is king of that kingdom. He, he has a kingdom So the question is, well, what is that kingdom, right? And so the easy answer there would be that Satan is king of the earth. That's that's what we would would say. Theologically, that's that's correct, that Satan is the king of the earth. Some places in the Bible says says, uh, he is the ruler of the spirits of the air uh, or the spirits of disobedience, right? And and so, uh, but but the the text here actually kind of clues us in to what what his kingdom looks like, right? I kind of like to know, so what, what is this kingdom of earth? What does it look like? And so they tell us by telling us his title. They say Satan, also known as, they they call him Beelzebub, two, three times in the text, Beelzebub. It's interesting because the Jews, the Hebrews, um, Beelzebub to them literally meant this, ready? Lord of the dung. Lord of the dung. Another way to say it would be, well, there's lots of kids here, but king of the CR underscore P. How about that? Okay, Satan has a kingdom, and he is the king of the C-R underscore P. But I want you to see this, that C-R underscore P has a powerful grip on people, right? Verse 21, it says, just straight from the text, verse 21, he, um, when a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. That strong man that Jesus is talking about in this instance, he's actually saying the devil is strong. This, this kingdom of Satan ain't no joke, right? The power of sin shouldn't be messed around with or played with. Sin is powerful and, and it has a strong grip. Satan is the king of the earth. He's the king of all CR underscore P. He is the lord of the dung. And that dung has a strong, powerful grip. And here's the deal. This is why this dung is so dangerous, Okay, I, maybe you didn't think dung was dangerous. Maybe you thought it just had a smell. But no, this stuff is this stuff is is pretty catchy here. Okay, this CR underscore P is so bad because not only does it have a strong grip, not only does it grab a hold of you, but it actually convinces you that it is good. It actually convinces you that 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 it is good or worthwhile, that it's pleasing, that you need it, that life can't go on without it, so that not only does it grab hold of you, but then you start to seek after it and grab hold of it. And so here's the picture. Ready? The picture is that all of the dung has grabbed hold of us. And not only has it grabbed hold of us, but we are embracing and squeezing it too. That's how bad it is. And we're caught. We're caught in this kingdom of CR underscore P. And you don't believe me? Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul would know. Paul lived his life for a whole lot of things that we wouldn't consider that bad. He was a real religious guy. He, 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 he wanted to be justified in the eyes of men. Okay? But he had some issues. But Paul had an experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus that changed him forever. He saw Jesus face to face, right? He saw Jesus face to face. He was blinded, and then eventually the scales fell off. And I want you to see, when he could see again, 
His, his whole view of life was changed. When he could see again after encountering Jesus, his whole view of life was changed. And this is what Paul said. He said, what is more I consider now, everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Ready? I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. You know what that word is, garbage? Ready? Literally translated in the Greek, D-U-N-G, dung. Paul's eyes were opened and he realized that everything that held on to him and everything that he held on to so dearly actually belonged to the kingdom of CR underscore P. It's a big deal, isn't it? Satan has a kingdom and its grip is strong. We've got to start there. We've got to start there, okay? Two. Two. Do you see this? We should know this when we say that Satan has a kingdom. This should be evident, but we have to say it just to make sure everybody gets it. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan are at war, and we must choose a side. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan are at war, and we have to choose a side. So, so get this, when, when we say that, like it should make sense that God and Satan like literally oppose one another, right? It should make sense that there is no place that they run parallel, yet you look at our world today, and there are a whole lot of people that seem to think that they can have one foot in this kingdom and one foot in this kingdom, and everything can be rosy, right? But, but the scripture says, listen, you need to understand that's not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God directly opposes everything of the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of the earth, whatever you would call that. They're at war. And then, and then Jesus goes further. Not only is it war, you have to choose a side. You don't get to sit this one out. Okay, so look at verse uh, 20, 23. Jesus speaking says, he who is not with me, get this, is what? Against me. Okay, this one's harder for me. The not with me or against me I can deal with. This is the one that really stinks. This is the kicker in the shins. He who does not gather, what's it say? Scatters. He who does not gather, scatters. Right? So, so surprise, Satan has a kingdom. His kingdom is at war with the kingdom of God. That's why these people's uh, ploys are so ridiculous. This powerful demon clearly wasn't like, driven out by by. Beelzebub, this had to be the work of God. And by the way, the work of God with this powerful demon, do you notice, like, like, so the grasp of sin is strong, but did you notice what it took for, for Jesus to heal him? He says, but this demon was healed by the finger of God. I like to imagine God just flicking it out. Get out of here, right? So that, that's pretty cool imagery for me. Who, who, had, who had a big brother growing up? Or, or you were the big brother growing up? Or the big sister or whatever? Anybody? Okay. okay. How many of you fought your younger siblings or your older siblings? And they said, come on, let's fight. And one of them said, I'll fight with one hand tied behind my back. Anybody ever do that? Come on, be honest. I beat you with one hand. But yeah, James is like, yeah, you could beat me with one hand tied behind your back. Any day, any day. I can run faster though, so, uh, and longer. Um, I know. But so, so here, here's the deal. This is the imagery, right? So Satan is really strong. Everybody thinks he may have the, of, of the big brother. And yet God is like, hey, dude, I, I don't even need to tie one hand behind. I'll tie everything up except for one finger. He's gone. That, that's how good our God is. That's how strong our God is, right? Really, really cool. And, and, and so Jesus says here, 
But then, then he says this in verse 23, though. He, he who's not with me is against me. You know, 21, 22 is all about how strong Jesus is. But then 23, he says, if you're not with, if you're not with me, you're against me. And if you don't gather, you, you scatter. He's saying, friends, this is war. These two kingdoms are colliding, and you don't have the choice to sit this one out. You have to choose a side. You are either with me or you are against me. You are either with the king of kings and the lord of lords, or you are with the lord of dung. You've got to decide. He who doesn't gather scatters. You're either for the kingdom or you're against it. Either you do your job, which is to gather, by the way. What is gathering? It's just making disciples, right? right? Jesus is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That confuses some of us that feel like, well, we're not pastors. I'm not supposed to go baptize people. No, but you are a messenger. You are to go proclaim the kingdom of God. Remember, we are not responsible for who receives our message. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Our job is just to proclaim the message to the masses. And what's the message, right? That It's a message of hope. It's a message of grace. It's a message of God's love. But it's also a message of urgency that God, while we are living under grace, while God does love us, while God has provided a way for for our sins not to count against us, that there is a time coming when that grace is going to be removed. That there is a time coming when Jesus returns, and he's going to return to judge the world. And either you'll stand accountable for your own sins, or you'll stand before God and you'll get to say, he did it. Jesus paid for my sins. All right? We know the wages of sin are death. That's what we, we deserve. And so that's, that's our message. We have to go out. We have to proclaim that. And Jesus, listen, either you're a part of that process, either you're on my team, either we're about this, we're about the kingdom of God, we're about gathering people, or you're actually doing the opposite. You're making it worse. You're scattering people. That's a hard teaching. It means if we're about anything else other than this, if we're about anything other than this kingdom of God, this role that we're supposed to play, then Jesus actually says, you may be making it worse. You probably are. Because remember, we're supposed to have one message. That message is about the kingdom of God. It's about the grace of God that's available through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Now, so I, I want to ask you this. As people that have the answers and know that there is only one Savior, what happens if we carry a different message? Jesus says we, we, cause, we cause people to scatter. Right, And so think about this with me, I, and I, I prayed about this this week, and I came up with a few other types of, I'm going to air quotes, okay, I have to say that in case we choose this audio, air quotes, other types of Christianity, right? So, so we, we've got, um, I would call it nominal Christianity, uh, which is largely, we're played with, plagued with in America, right? Americans, over 80% of Americans say that they're Christians, over 80%. Yet the, the, the unchurched people in America would make up the eighth most populous country in the world. So people say that they're Christians, but they don't go to church or worship Christ. The majority of America, right? So, 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 so we've got nominal Christianity. Um, I, I, I wrote down political Christianity. <laughs> got to put those quotes back up there. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, it's like, hey, hey these people have, have somehow misinterpreted um, the nation of Israel and mixed it up with the United States of America. And they think that somehow the United States of America is the new Israel and that all the laws that applied to Israel, which was an actual nation of God, that should therefore apply to the United States of America. And so therefore, um, see what they miss in that is, is that the children of God, um, who were also known as the Israelites, but also had their own nation, the children of God, now through Christ Jesus and by the Holy Spirit, are actually in all nations all over the world, right? 
And, and so the children of God still live under the promises of God, and that's awesome, but, the, but there's no, we're not Israel. But there's a whole lot of people that think that we are. Therefore, when they see America struggling, you know, the chosen nation struggling, they freak out and, 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 and they go out into the world proclaiming that we have to vote for this person or this person in order to save our ship. Wait a second. What is my message again? What do I proclaim? I have one message. There is one Savior. His name is Jesus. So, so therefore, if I go out and I say that my Savior's name is it ends with Clinton or ends with Trump. Based on polls right now in America, 50% of my audience I just lost and they'll never talk to me about Jesus. You, you see what I'm saying? Am I gathering? I'm probably scattering. I'm pro- if, I, if I'm more vocal about that than I am about Jesus Christ, right? That's probably a problem. We, we've got, um, I, I, I label it patriotic Christianity, Right? We're, this, we're, we're, we're a nation of, 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 of patriotism is what we are. And somehow we've linked this again with our, with our Christianity. And so, man, if anybody um, would insult a flag or a national anthem, by golly, I tell you what, we are going to lose it up in here. And we're going to scream and we're going to shout, and especially on social media, and we're going to be all about it. it. It's a difficult thing, isn't it, right? Again, what is my message? My, the Christ, he's my savior, Christ. Like I, I love the freedoms that, that are provided for me, you know? I, I, I'm one of those, you know, I'm going to cover my heart. I'm going to teach my kids to do that. Like, hear me, but above and beyond all those things is Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you understand? Because those freedoms that we, you know, those could be taken away at any moment, right? We, we could live in another country. That could happen to us, right? I mean, it, it could happen. And, and so I have to understand this, right? Uh, what, about, what about, I call it social justice, social justice, Christianity. You know, and that's the form it started in the mainline churches in the 60s and the 70s that we need to be all about social justice and caring for the poor and taking care of the needy and, 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 and especially taking care of any people groups in America that, that maybe have been disenfranchised. And what it became is such a help structure that the gospel got removed for it. Okay? So it was all about, I'm just going to love people. I'm just going to love people. I'm just going to love people. Well, listen, the most loving thing you can do for people is point them to Jesus. And so if you ever remove Jesus from your desire to love people physically, then, then you lose the one thing that they truly need. They may actually have food on their table, but they'll die and go to hell. So, so we don't get to do that. We don't, we don't get to choose it. We have one message that must go forth, and it's not that we can't do any of those other things. It's like there, there's one thing we proclaim, and if we do anything else, Jesus says, if, if we spend our time and our energy and our effort here in our fleeting days, which, guys, our days are flying past us. If you haven't looked at your children recently and they're suddenly looking you in the eyes or you haven't tried to cover up a little of that gray hair, these moments are fleeting and our, our opportunity to have an impact is, is flying from us hour by hour, moment by moment. And either we spend that time building the kingdom of God, gathering people for Jesus, or we spend that time actually doing the opposite, damaging the kingdom of God, scattering people. Does the gravity of that sink in with you? Anybody else? Anybody else feel that? Like, oh, gosh. Okay. Which brings us to our last point. Last point. I just want you to see it. We'll be done. 
This, this last little story in this portion of the text is kind of a tough one. I want you to see this morning that it is possible you can clean up your life. You can do it. You can clean up your life. But hear me. If you don't give it to Jesus, if you don't give it to God, Satan still owns you. You can clean up your life, but if you don't give it to God, Satan still owns you. And so here's the context. Jesus tells the story. He says, listen, so there's a man, and, and, and the demon leaves this man. Now, the demon wasn't cast out. It seems like the demon kind of left on his own. And what happens to the man is he gets his life in order, right? He cleans his house. He cleans up his life. It's possible, he's saying, it's possible to clean up your life, right, without actually turning to God, without inviting God in. And that's possible. And by the way, I, I don't know if any of you are here, but like my life is kind of a living, breathing testimony of that. Um, before I became a Christian, um, I, I, you know, my, my grandfather passed while I was in college. I, I got depressed. I led to a whole lot of stuff I'm not real proud of, a lot of things that took ownership over me. Um, and, uh, and, and that's where I was living. That's where I was headed until somebody invited me to a Bible study, which I cussed them out for. I wasn't excited. I didn't know it was a Bible study. They just said, hey, you want to go somewhere? Uh, dummy me. It was like, yeah, I got in a car and he pulls up to a church. And I was like, mm-mm, said nice things to him. But I walked into this place and all these people worshiping God. And I, I came back and about the third week, the same guy, I'm not a Christian. I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure things out. He says, hey, can I show you something in the Bible? Goes to Romans 13. He says, he shows me that every authority has been placed over us by God himself. So that's what the Bible says. Would you believe that? I said, I guess. He says, well, that means you've got to stop drinking because you're not 21. I was like, well, that's stupid. But for some reason, I did it. <laughs> I was like, okay. And so once I did, um, I started cleaning up other areas of my life. I actually started you know, paying for college and going to class. It really makes a difference if you go to class and listen to the teachers, by the way. Your GPA will skyrocket. It is awesome. I mean, it's really, it's really phenomenal. Um, they, they want to know like, whatever they say is going to be on their test. I would read like, the textbooks and skim through them and then go take a test and get a C-minus-ish. So I started to get my life in order. But it was another year before I became a Christian. And here's the truth of this text. This text is saying there are some people in life that under the, by the grace of God, they are allowed also to get their life in order. But if they don't ever turn to God, that Satan still owns them. And you say, where do you get that last part, Pastor? Well, you notice the demon went out to some arid places and he couldn't find any place to go. And so he says here in uh, verse 24, it says, then the demon says, I will return to the house I left. Now, that's what my NIV version says, but it's a bad translation. The literal translation would read, I will return to my house. You know what the demon said? I'm going to go back to my house. You know, the place that I own, the place that I run. So I say this to you this morning, I say this to you in love. Maybe you're here and you've kind of gotten your act together. I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. But I need you to hear me very clearly. It's not enough to just get your life in order. Because if you don't give your life to Jesus, Satan still owns you. And he may come back and find that you've kind of cleaned things up and he's not going to like it. So not only is, is the, the, the demon that you had, not only is that going to come back, but he's going to bring some friends and he's going to wreak havoc. You see it all the time. Somebody in AA... Somebody in some program where they clean up their life, but they never truly invite Jesus in. And that next time they fall off the wagon, it's ten times worse than it ever was the first time. Satan's real. He is the king of CR underscore P. 
It's got a strong grip. Not only does it take hold of you, but it makes you want a hold of it. Okay? And when you get your life in order, he ain't going to be happy. It's not enough to just get your life in order. You've got to give it to Jesus. So here's what Jesus is teaching. Ready? Repentance is two phases. This is two phases. The first, guys, is, is I'm walking in sin. I'm making bad choices. I get to this point and I realize, oh my gosh, I don't want this anymore. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to get my life in order. God allows us to make better choices. So we say, okay, I'm going to stop this activity. I'm going to put it over there. I'm going to stop this one. I'm going to put it over there. I'm going to do so, so I've stopped. I'm no longer pursuing that sinful behavior. I, my life is kind of in order. The problem is that's only the first part of repentance. Repentance is not just turning from sin. It is then turning to Jesus and walking towards Him. That's repentance. That's what salvation is about. It's about foregoing sin about leaving it behind and pursuing Christ. And that's what's needed. So what, what does the text kind of call us to? I'll give you a few things. Uh, the, the first thing I, I think this text would clearly call us to do is to consider what we're clinging to, right? That's what Paul did. Paul had this, this great moment with Jesus. He saw Jesus for who he really was. And, and, and when, when the scales fell off of his eyes, he, he had this, this new uh, vision and he could see the world for what it was. And he says, you know what? You know what this world is? You know what all the stuff I've pursued is? You know what all the stuff that I've, I've clinged on to that's clung on to me? You know what it all is? It is all a bunch of CR underscore P. That's what it is. This is junk, he says. Friends, I would just ask you, consider what you're clinging to. How do you see it? How do you see it clearly? Ready? Number one, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Whatever you think is good, look to Jesus first. He is good. And then compare it. Is this really good? Whatever you think is beautiful, look to Jesus first. Because he is beautiful, right? Whatever you think is going to bring you joy, look to Jesus first. Because he is joy, right? Whatever you think is going to bring you contentment, look to Jesus first and then go back and look at... So first, when Paul looked upon Jesus and he looked at his life, he realized that his life was a bunch of junk. He was clinging to and living for a bunch of junk and Jesus was more valuable, right? So the first thing you got to do is, is look. It's the eye test, okay? You really look to Jesus. You spend time with Jesus. You see who he is and what he says and then you look at your life and you go, oh no, these two things don't even compare. So it's the eye test first, okay? The second is, is, the, is the smell test. The Bible talks about the aroma of Christ, right? The aroma of Christ, the sweet smell of, of Jesus and his goodness and his glory. Okay? Well, guess what? Dung has a smell too, doesn't it? Does, doesn't it? You know, you know when you've been walking, oh, somebody, oh. I mean, I got three boys for crying out. Somebody is always stepping in something in my I'm like, take, we have a new rule. If you go out in the backyard, uh, if you go out in the backyard, just take your shoes off at the door. Don't even walk in, right? Because I, I don't want to deal with that. Friends, there is an aroma of Christ. I'm going to tell you, there's an aroma of the world. There really is. And it's pretty easy to tell the difference. You can tell. You can tell when you're, when you, when you're covered in dung. And I know that's not fun for me to preach. I know that's not exciting to think some of the things you've been clinging to. You took a deep breath, we're like, oh, gosh. But it's the truth. We cling to the wrong things all the time, right? Okay? So, so, so really consider what you're clinging to, too. Um, I challenge you to choose a side. I think that's what the text calls us to do, Right? It's two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of God. There's a kingdom of Satan. And those two are at war. There is no neutrality. You've got you to pick a side. And we're going to be talking about Joshua over the next five weeks. Not just Joshua, but the people of God in general. But you'll hear a lot of Joshua's name. Um, and, and, and one of the things I love about Joshua is what he says to the people. He just finally looks at him. and he says, okay, ready? 
Choose today whom you will serve. That's it. Make a choice today. You choose today. What are you going to do? You want to go back and, and serve the, 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 the pagan gods? Fine. Go do it. You go do it. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, we're, we're serving God. That's what we're going to do. Friends, every day. That, that's one of those scriptures, by the way, you should write down. Okay? I mean, I mean do the, do, if you've got to do the Jewish thing and tie, tie the phylactery around your head or around your hands or whatever you've got to do, you've got to paint it on your doorpost, you've got to put it. Like, every day we have a choice. That's a gift of God, right? Because love doesn't force people to do anything. Love woos people. And because God loves us, He woos us every day. We get to choose Him or we get to reject Him every day. Choose a side. Put, put that scripture in front of you. Choose this day whom you will serve. Which kingdom are you going to build today? Which kingdom is worth it today? Are you going to work on the everlasting eternal kingdom that's unshakable, whose foundation is unshakable? Are you going to build in that one today? Or are you going to go out and play with the poo? That's the choice. That's the choice. And if, 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 you're, if you've never had children, you've never been a parent, you may not understand that one. But trust me, at some point you'll have a kid that he ain't playing with mud. You know what I'm saying? Building a sandcastle and you're like, oh, why do you smell so? Oh my gosh, baby, that's not mud. Listen, we do the same thing. Choose a side. You're going to build in the unshakable, everlasting, eternal kingdom, or you're going to keep playing with the poo. Right? You pick. You pick. And I, and I know, I wish it looked like poo. That'd make it so much easier, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be awesome if sin just looked terrible? It'd be great. It'd be, I mean, come on. I, it'd be so great. If, if sin just immediately stunk and, and didn't entice you and didn't make you go, ooh, that sounds good. It'd be so good. I mean, right? I mean, but let's be honest. It entices. I mean, the juiciness, right? I mean, I, I know women, they're like, man, I, I, I really struggle with gossip, but I got so much better until I stood in line at HEB and I looked at the gossip mags. And it was so juicy. Just that little tidbit. Did you know that so-and-so was, oh. Choose a side. Lastly, I want to challenge you. Simply to turn to Jesus, right? It's not enough to turn away from your sin. You also have to turn to the Savior. Both are required. It's not enough to just get your house in order. And maybe some of you are here and that's what's going on. You've got your house in order. And again, hear me. I'm so excited for you. Right? And you say, well, what is my house in order? Maybe your house in order, getting your life um, back on track. Maybe, maybe it is alcohol, or maybe it's drugs, or maybe it's pornography, or, or maybe it's gossip, or, or maybe it's gluttony. Maybe there's some area of your life, you know, you, like, man, man, you're struggling. I know some people um, in, in our church, I know some people that have lost, in, in the last year, they've lost 50, 60 pounds. And, 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 and that's what they would confess. They said, Pastor, I just, it was just gluttony. That's what it was. It was just, I just, it just, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's judging people. I don't know. What area did you kind of get under wraps? That's awesome. I'm glad that you've got it in order. But hear me. If you don't give it to Jesus, Satan's going to come back and kick your butt. He will. And it's going to be worse than it was before. So you've got to give it to God. Completely, entirely, totally. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, that was warm and fuzzy. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for bringing us here, even though we're struggling. God, help us um, see, really see. For just a moment, would you give us a glimpse of yourself? I mean, I mean, one of those glimpses that is so powerful and so strong that when we look to the other things in life, we'll be able to tell if they're of you or if they're from that other kingdom.
God, would you lay it on our hearts today that we do have a choice to make and we must make it. There is no neutrality. And Father, would you help us with everything that we are, not just to clean up our act, not just to get our life in order, but rather to give our life to you. Every aspect, every hold, every place. Because God, that is what we need more than anything else in this world. Anything else in this world. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we're just going to have a moment. Just, and I'm not even going to call you forward today. If you want to come forward and pray, you absolutely can. I'm not even going to make you stand up today. Because this isn't one of those like altar calls that people are super excited about. Yeah, I'm clinging to a bunch of junk. Here I come. Most people don't want to confess that in church, at least adults. Teenagers, they're all about it. They don't care. But today, in this place, I, I just ask, if, if you've gotten any glimpse of Jesus, if you've, if you've gotten any glimpse of his love and of his compassion, of his grace, has Jesus been gracious to anybody else in this place? Oh, dear goodness, right? I mean, the fact that I'm still living and breathing, that's, <laughs> God. I mean, this week, this week, anybody receive that grace this week? This week? Come on. Anybody else? We have three people, seven people now fell on their face this week. Okay, I'm with you. Gosh, I had some moments that I was like, Lord, really? Come on. Come on. I'm an idiot. Okay? I want you to get a glimpse of him, and I want you to look at the things that you treasure the most, the things that you're living for, okay? What what are they? What, What are the things that are causing the most stress in your life right now? What are the things that you are refusing to let go of? And I just want you to see those things that you're hanging on to, Are they of the kingdom of Christ or are they of the kingdom of C-R underscore P? Okay? Give them the eye test. Give them the sniff test. And and if you realize you've been playing with poo, run to Jesus and get clean. Say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Just let him cleanse you this morning. He'll do it right here, right now, right? Some, you've been trying to walk that, that middle line. Right? I'm living for Jesus, but I ain't going to give him my everything. My everything is here, my everything is there. And you're not choosing a side, and you know it, right? Because you know what happens to, to animals in the middle of the road, right? Splat. You know what else they do? They cause accidents. They really do. Did you know that by your life, you might be causing an accident for somebody else? That's the gravity of that text. If we're not gathering, we actually may be. Sending others away. Okay? We've got to get it straight. Got to get it straight. And then finally, if you're here and you've been trying to turn and tune up that life, trying to straighten it, again, I, I want to celebrate with you. I want to celebrate with you. But I'm going to ask, would you invite Jesus in this morning, right here where you are? So bow your heads. You pray. You know what God is laying on your heart. The Holy Spirit's good. He's going to, he's going to tell you what to pray about. And if there's anybody here that you just don't even know how to pray, As everybody else bows their head, you can just raise a hand. I'm not going to come to you, but I'm just going to pray on your behalf. I'm going to intercede for you, just like the Holy Spirit intercedes for me. If you're just here and you say, man, there's something on my heart. It's heavy, but I just don't even know how to pray. You just, with your eyes closed, you just raise a hand, and I will gladly, gladly, gladly pray for you. All right.
And you guys keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Uh, I'm going to do something, and uh, if you want to do it too, that's fine. Uh, I want to invite the Holy Spirit into a very sacred place today in my life. A place that I've been trying to get in order, and I, I, uh, I clean up pretty well sometimes, and then I, it's not good. So I'm, I'm going to invite him into just kind of a mess of, of, a, of a part of my heart, my mind. And uh, if that's something that you'd like to do, you know what the mess is. You know the area. You know the door that you've kind of closed off. You said, God, you can have all of me except this. But today you, you've heard that uh, Satan may still own that. Today you want to you give it to Jesus. I just want you to identify that door in your mind. I want you to walk to it right now. I want you to walk right now to all that, that problem, that sin, that thing that's controlling you, that, the, you know, the one that, that occurs over and over and over and over again. You, you've put up every uh, measure. You, you've tried before. You've even gone, even gone years in victory only to fall, only to fail. And whatever, whatever that, that part is, it, it's, not, it's not pretty. We don't want to talk about it. We don't even have to talk about it. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit I invite Jesus to come into that part right now. Just that part. So you walk to the door right now. You stand in front of it. And in your mind, I want you to, I want you to envision it, okay? And let's pray this prayer together, okay? Lord Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, no more hiding from me. I have tried to ignore your desire to have complete control over this area of my life. And God, if I'm honest, even though others may see and may think that I've got it together, I know behind this door, I am a mess. For too long, I have said this was my room. But it is not my room. The truth is, it's Satan's room. He's had ownership. And today, I am done. Lord Jesus, by the power that you possess, by the very finger of God, would you kick Satan out of this area now? Not just for me, but would you kick him out for you? Because this area belongs to you now. Today, I surrender it. In Jesus' name, amen.